Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. 70 episodes of a podcast that I've been honored to host, edit, and produce for three and a half years now. Screen Therapy, the podcast, and now the book, is a way of giving back to the punk community that saved my life. But it's also an opportunity for me to learn and grow and heal. I hope that you, the listener, will learn and grow and heal as well. Here's a recap of episodes 61 to 70. On episode 61, I talked with Shannon Eoff of Pacific Northwest hardcore punk band Knelt Before on the importance of positive mental attitude, or PMA, as it's known in punk circles. Shannon also discussed being an ally for folks with mental health issues and supporting loved ones when they need it most. My partner is a non-binary human and is getting a doctorate at OHSU here in Portland. And the program is clinical psychology, but is focusing on trans health, autism and ADHD. So I'm constantly hearing what is being discussed in that world. And it's a very interesting cross between the adolescent, whether they're trans or just autistic or have ADHD, just the crossovers between the people groups. So I've been kind of fascinated to hear all of that, and I'm learning a ton all the time. On episode 62, Mark Bouchard, comic book writer and curator of Everything is Going Wrong anthology, talked to me about the importance of spreading messages of mental health through stories of lived experience. Mark explained the responsibility he felt being entrusted with other people's experiences through the making of the anthology. At the end of the day, I didn't want to mess with any of the, like, subject matter, if that makes sense. Like, I was more focused on the story beats and more focused on, like, making sure these stories came through in a way that uh, people would want to read them. And, like, even if they were heavy stories, there would be either some educational factor, an enjoyment factor based on, like, the art and, like, how they were presented. On episode 63, I talked to writer B. Sonimrich about how she has returned to the punk scene after having psychotic episodes, it's a place where she's understood and validated. B talks about using the punk rock ethos as inspiration to find her authentic writing voice and be present in her art and life. There's just like so much depth to this genre. So many things can be punk, from coding to getting up on stage and cracking a bunch of jokes. A lot of punks are like polymath. You're writing a book, you're making a podcast, you're doing all these different things. You're able to interview all these people and find a sense of camaraderie in that. That's not something that just comes out of thin air. Like this genre, like it pulls like a specific person in. Those people are usually like very good at an amalgamation of things. Negative Blast screamer Rainier Pesebre joined me on episode 64 to detail how his life changed when he discovered punk rock as a Filipino army-based kid. Rainier talked about how writing and playing punk rock allows him to articulate his anger, frustration, and vulnerability and come out the other side with positive energy. 
there's such a lightness that came with that type of expression and just being connected with that feeling. I know at times with a lot of punk bands or hardcore bands, you always think, dang, how can they go out every night and do that thing? I've seen a lot of hardcore bands in the past for like the first song or first couple lines. And then after that, they're just like barely hanging on. And it's understandable because it's such an expressive form of art and performance. But just being able to sit with the emotion and to sit with whatever might have inspired the creation of the song and the energy backing up being able to perform the songs live for me it just brings me closer to understanding myself because healing takes a long time i welcomed annie kuchenmeister vocalist and guitarist of loki's folly on episode 65 to find out about how living on the autism spectrum affects her mental health annie discussed why punk rock has helped her find calmness in her life and how she loves to scream of course louder punk-ish type music really helped me a lot because when I was in school and it would be really really you know overwhelming with people talking there and lights too bright being able to like put my headphones on and put on the first couple bands I was getting into like the Ramones just full pressure one sound is all coming in at once was really just calming and soothing and it really was probably the way I was able to get through most days (laughs) when I was still in school. Rock and Healthy Lifestyles podcast host and chiropractic doctor Jennifer Palladino came on to episode 66 to discuss the glory days of the New York and London punk scenes and her formative years within them. Jennifer discussed how mental health and addiction issues weren't talked about and addressed during a time when the subjects were taboo, even amongst open-minded punks. Things were coming over from across the pond, bands and styles and It was a time where it was new and you don't really think of that type of, wow, this is it. This is the greatest. This is going to be historic. It's like classic rock. It wasn't classic rock. It was just the scene that was available to us. It was definitely a dangerous scene. I mean, so many people I knew, (laughs) I mean, they're not alive. I'm here to tell it, but it's a shame. But it was drugs and violence. It was very raw. On episode 67, Karen Marie Hernandez of Cosmic Kitten joined me to talk about the struggles she faced as a youth in foster care and living in group homes. Karen spent her childhood in a neglectful household and a teen in the government care system, all the while dealing with her mental health struggles and medication side effects. Playing her guitar and writing music helped lead her through to a stable life that she has made for herself. I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to go to college and I wanted to start a band somehow. Although I had lost a lot of my friends, pretty much all my friends, I was gonna find a way to make new friends. And for some reason, I just became like a really positive person. I felt like as long as I put my mind to something, then it was gonna happen for me. And for a few years while I got through college and I got good grades and stuff, I was like, I was right. As long as I put my mind to it, it's going to (laughs) happen. On episode 68, I welcomed Tina Rushing of Punk Rock Saves Lives, a nonprofit organization that provides mental health and harm reduction resources at punk shows and festivals, as well as community events. Tina talked about how doing mental health advocacy work within the punk scene has been mutually enriching between her organization and the punks it provides resources for. 
punk rock is so much more than anyone really knows. And it goes so vast in what it can do and how it can help. And I agree. I really do think punk rock does save lives. And I hear it. People come up to our booth all the time. And that's actually how we get a lot of interaction is people just read it, don't realize we're an organization. And they're like, yeah, what is this? <laughs> or they see a shirt that says punk rock saves lives and they buy it and they're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> Casey Cavalier of The Wonder Years was the special guest for episode 69. He discussed the relationship he and his band have with their listeners, including fielding intense conversations about mental health and drug and alcohol misuse. Casey talked about setting boundaries with fans while providing the best support he can given the circumstances. Sometimes it's just more about them being able to say it out loud. And they're not necessarily looking for you to provide some feedback or some sort of advice. And so that's a really important thing that we've tried to remember and had to remind ourselves. But additionally, we've learned and and grappled with over the years and our feelings of guilt towards not being able to take on that much. And how do you filter that? We had to, for the good of ourselves and being able to continue to perform and continue to put something positive into the world, it was a way of conserving uh, a bit of our emotional energy Just being there and just allowing someone to speak their truth about something is a really powerful thing. Now you're all up to speed. For these and many more episodes of the Scream Therapy podcast, go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com. You can also check out episodes of the spinoff podcast, Flex Your Head, where my friends and I talk about classic punk albums. How about a bit of bonus material? Here I am being interviewed by Let's Be Well Together podcast host, John Webster, to talk about punk rock community. Today's interview is in the category of social wellness. I recently interviewed Jason Schurz about punk therapy, and I'm so glad he reached out to me, including because I've enjoyed punk and new wave music since the 70s. Today, I'd like to ask about his experiences with a supportive punk community. Welcome back, Jason. Thanks, John. Good to hear your voice again. Oh, thanks. As a reminder, Jason is a music and mental health writer, host of the Scream Therapy podcast, and calls himself a punk weirdo living in Powell River, BC, a small coastal town in the traditional territory of the Klahomin Nation. He's contributed to projects by the Canadian Mental Health Association, Disability Alliance BC, and other publications. He's a graduate of the MFA in Creative Nonfiction program at the University of King's College. And when he's not writing, podcasting, or facilitating a bipolar support group, or doing other mental health advocacy work, Jason is screaming into his dented microphone and beating on his guitar like it's a percussion instrument. So Jason, initially we were just going to do the other interview, and then you mentioned, well, while we were talking, getting support from the punk community. And that just kind of jumped out at me as something I'd like to talk about. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So the very first podcast interview I did was about three years ago now and the person I interviewed said to me punk rock saved my life and that just sent chills up my spine because that's how I always felt about it I didn't know what that meant I didn't know if I was speaking metaphorically or literally but I always had the belief that punk rock saved my life and it kept coming up in the interviews that I did the people that I met the people in the book that I wrote and so you know I tried to really think about that. And I realized, you know, I was using punk rock and the punk rock scene 
as my everything. You know, it was it was my place where I felt comfortable. I felt like I belonged. I felt well. And as you know, at shows, that's when I felt well, and that I actually felt like I was as much of a whole person as I could be. So, the punk rock community uh, is very welcoming and. You know, it's, it's funny to say, but they're actually very warm people. They're very, no, I you know, agree. Like a big hug. And yeah, it's not uh, how people would necessarily think about punk rock or metal for that matter. I can remember going to a bar and, you know, lots of people with spiky hair and crazy makeup and crazy clothes and chains and all that stuff. I, I didn't really dress up that much, but I could see on the street, people would look at them and like, yikes, you know, like they, they didn't want to go close to them. And you'd be in the bar and they're the nicest people. They're the most approachable people. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a really welcoming community. For sure. And I think people in all walks of life have backgrounds in punk rock. And the person that you see on the street that you would never guess would be a punk rocker is. And so it's a mix of people who, you know, are very forward facing and very outward about their punk rockedness and folks like, you know, uh, me who doesn't necessarily present like that other than wearing punk t-shirts and um, it's all walks of life. It's, I think there's a real misconception about punk rock being very whitewashed and standardized and um, it's just not like that. Uh, It's a very welcoming place for people who are marginalized. Um, There's a lot of queer people on the punk scene. Um, There's a lot of BIPOC people on the punk scene. And that, to me, just points to the fact that it is a supportive community and people say they feel safe there. That's kind of the long and short of it. I mean, you got to have a place of refuge in life. Otherwise, how do you feel comfortable in the world? Something you said earlier, too, reminded me. So it saved their life. I, I wouldn't say that about myself. I wouldn't say punk rock saved me, but I definitely think I wouldn't be the person I am today without punk rock. And so... For whatever reason, later in my life, in the last couple of years, I've really come to cherish curiosity. I've come to conclude that probably my favorite attribute that I have in myself that I recognize is that I'm a really curious person. You know, that's part of what this podcast is about. I love talking to people and learning and yeah, and it's just amazing. And I feel like when I look back, punk rock was one of the things that really lit that up for me, lit up my curiosity and made it all right. You know, you're allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to challenge things. You're allowed to think differently. But if we go back to to what we're talking about, the punk community, what are some of the things that you've seen where there's a connection to wellness? In some ways, it's hard to verbalize it. Okay. Uh, For myself, having a mental health condition undiagnosed for 46 years, I always knew there was something going on with me that wasn't quite the same as the people I was seeing around me. You know, and I, I grew up in a really conservative small town, which is a logging town, you know, a mill town. And there wasn't a lot of people that I would consider to be punks. You know, there's a few metalheads, and that's kind of where I gravitated for, first, <laughs> right. was, you know, met being a metalhead. Um, and I still am. I still love both the genres and music. But I was, I felt like I was lost. I didn't understand what was going on around me. And then when I found the punk scene, it just really clicked. Like I kind of knew instinctually that it was something that I belonged to. And I often wonder why people gravitate towards it, especially folks who I interview for the podcast who are dealing with mental health conditions. And I think it's just because of the, the way that it's uh, form, the way that it's set up, the way that, you know, you walk through the door of a punk show 
And people aren't saying, get out of here, kid, you're a loser. They're saying, oh, cool, you're a freak and a loser. Come and hang out with us. Right. You know, we all are. Like, it's it's a self-empowered term to say that you're a freak or a weirdo or, you know, a, a nerd or whatever you want to say. And that's not really very common in, in society. You know, maybe go down to the gaming store with and play dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons and you might have that kind of same come and hang out with us. But for me, it was like, okay, this is where I belong. I, I knew it right away. I felt so excited and validated and empowered by being at the shows and listening to these bands scream at me and we're all cheering along and singing along and, you know, we're jumping around. It's like this very communal, it just feels right. It just feels like you're around the people that you belong, you belong with. For me, it was kind of the same and the opposite. So I was pretty nerdy, you know, I short hair, regular dress, went to, I liked school. I liked reading. And so I kind of thought initially that if I went there, I wouldn't be cool enough, right? I didn't have the spiky hair. I didn't have the leather jacket or whatever it happened to be. So I was a little bit nervous about that, but you know what? I never felt judged. I never felt like I was, that somebody was saying, you don't belong. But now that I think of it, I'm looking around and there was a room full of people so different, like the whole spectrum of regular dress to the most extreme punk dress. In fairness, there, there always are a few outliers, people who are just really angry course, and yeah. really angry and wanted to break things, the kind of the anarchy side. And unfortunately, they seem to be the ones that often got attention. But they were the minority, I think. And, and generally speaking, I, you know, I just didn't have connection with them. But otherwise, I didn't feel judged and I felt very welcomed in, in the groups when I went. So, so you're right. And it's funny because you're talking about stuff. Obviously, you've thought about it. And for me, I was just experiencing it and never really thought about what I liked about it. But a lot of the stuff you're saying, I can really connect to. Yeah, for sure. You know, the folks that come into the punk scene and cause problems, it's like any community. You're going to have those people and, you know, there can't, there always has to be someone that's going to cause trouble or be a jerk. But, you know, the cool thing is, is that, you know, the punk scene seems like very, they're able to mobilize quite quickly. It's not hard for them to say, okay, there's a jerk here. Let's let's deal with this. Let's get this person out of the venue. Strength in numbers. I think punk rock, like you said, it's, it's one of those things that just has like a, a visceral reaction for me. And I don't really know why until, you know, like it just happens. Like I don't really think about it as much as like, okay, this feels right. I'm playing punk rock with my friends. It's super exciting. The songs are great. There's messages. For me, it's a very instinctual, natural thing. If I'm not part of it for a period of time, I really feel it. You know, when I came home from the hospital and couldn't do much of anything after being diagnosed with bipolar, man, I missed it. And I think that's a huge reason of why I started the podcast and wrote the book is because I had to do something that was punk rock related, you know, whatever I could. Couldn't go to shows. I just remember when I was younger, especially if something went wrong, if something really bad happened, I would go down to my basement those were the days of albums and I would pull out an <laughs> album and put it on and it would make all the difference in the world. Now you have a chance. You're talking to different people in the punk community on your podcast and probably unfair to ask you out of the blue, but are there a couple, you know, examples of things people have said about what they, what they feel from the community or how they connect or maybe how it connects to wellness? Yeah. I think a really good example is uh, Rachel Taft who does the uh, feed your scene nonprofit and, She's in Richmond, Virginia, and she basically has a hostel. And she 
basically puts up punk bands uh, for free. You know, she's got some money coming in from grants and whatnot. She feeds them, she puts them up and it's like their second home. You know, some of them go back on tour and they keep going back and she's become a, a mother figure for them. So to me, that really speaks to the punk scene and, and how it, uh, you know, how, how we take care of ourselves within it. Another one would be people that are doing mental health work, but are doing it in a, in a punk rock way. So, you know, charities, there's a suicide prevention charity that runs itself very punk rock in, in the language that it uses and, uh, you know, the kind of resources it provides, you know, the, the whole idea of like, let's talk about these things. People are dying. How do we talk about this? How do we help? How do we support? To me, that's a very punk rock thing. And I come across that a lot in the podcast. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available now. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com store. And for even more designs, check out Screen Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well. Good